Welcome back, Warriors. Tansei Sego Ani Buju. Quay Ninda Luizi Pampometer, and I'm the host of this show, The Warrior Life. This podcast is a show about living the warrior life, a lifestyle that focuses on decolonizing our minds, bodies, and spirits, while at the same time revitalizing our cultures, traditions, and practices. It's also about asserting, living, and defending our sovereignty all over Turtle Island. Today's episode is a follow-up from our previous conversations with Skylar Williams, the spokesperson for 1492 Landback Lane. Haudenosaunee people have continued to occupy the Mackenzie Meadows housing development, which has been renamed 1492 Landback Lane. They have been there for 98 days now. The land reclamation camp has been peaceful, and the people on the ground have engaged in community feasts, games of lacrosse, and events like music concerts put on by supporters like Haudenosaunee musician and two-time Juno Award winner Derek Miller. For those of you who missed my recent conversation with Derek Miller and his support of 1492 Landback Lane, I'll post the link in the description box below. The land defenders have engaged in media press conferences and social media to help educate the public on the issues at stake and why they are engaged in peaceful land defense. But despite their peaceful occupation, the Haldeman County Police Services Board have called them terrorists and called on the OPP to arrest them. While this sort of vilification of native land defenders is nothing new, it shows the ongoing, deeply rooted racism and hatred towards our peoples that continue today. I think it should also be kept in mind that the Toronto Star recently exposed Haldeman Mayor Ken Hewitt as having a major conflict of interest in this issue. Hewitt admitted to having a financial interest in the housing development at Mackenzie Meadows, in fact having put a deposit down on one of the units that were to be built. Sounds an awful lot like Wet'suwet'en Territory, where heavily armed RCMP officers removed peaceful land defenders from their homes, despite their own conflict of interest. Remember that the RCMP pensions are invested in TC Energy, the parent company of Coastal GasLink Pipeline. Here, you have the Haldeman mayor advocating for the forced removal of peaceful Haudenosaunee peoples from their own lands so that the developer can continue to build the house that the mayor put a down payment on. The continued dispossession of Indigenous peoples has always been about taking our lands and resources for the economic benefit of settlers and their governments. At this point, we all know that the developer could easily be compensated by federal, provincial, and municipal governments for having authorized the sale and development of lands that rightly belong to Six Nations and have been claimed for generations. However, Six Nations could never be compensated once those lands are developed into homes and people are living there. The whole idea is to address land rights before they are irrevocably transferred, developed, or destroyed. Despite these glaring injustices and the land defenders' peaceful attempts to negotiate, they have been faced with mocking, aggressive, and violent responses by the OPP. The OPP have arrested over 33 people at this point, and the land defenders are quite certain that the OPP have more arrest warrants to issue. This is in addition to the local court 
first issuing an interim injunction against the Haudenosaunee from occupying 1492 Landback Lane without providing legal representation for Schuyler Williams or even allowing him to present a full defense. The court then granted a permanent injunction this week, again without legal representation for Schuyler or allowing Schuyler to fully defend himself or raise all of these critical land issues. As the spokesperson for 1492 Landback Lane, I asked Schuyler if he could give us an update on everything that's happening in the last few days. We started our podcast interview, but were interrupted by the nighttime arrival of the OPP. This is the lived reality on the ground for the people there, and the constant threats, arrests, intimidation, and violence from the OPP but I thought it was important to play at least the part of the interview that we were able to have before he was interrupted by the OPP. It is critical at this point that we continue to support land defenders in a wide variety of ways, including lifting up their voices and making sure the public hears everything that's happening. It serves as a way of protecting them, at least in part, by ensuring that we have eyes and ears on what is happening. Here to give us an update on what's happening both at the both with the re- recent court decision and also the recent OPP violence against um, land defenders is Skylar Williams. Welcome back to the show, Skylar. But I'm sorry to be welcoming you back because it looks like very little has uh, improved. Well, you know what? After uh, you know, uh, hard to believe that it was yesterday at this moment. Uh, the court uh, court action to see. Uh, you know, Haudenosaunee rights permanently extinguished over our uh, traditional territory for uh, for us here at Landback Lane. But um, uh, and the OPP's response to that mm-hmm. uh, was shooting rubber bullets and trying to arrest one of the guys coming out of the camp. And uh, uh, yeah, one guy got tasered, another guy shot in the leg with the rubber bullet. Uh, it's uh, it's been a uh, a tumultuous couple of days here since uh, since ending of that court. So the last time we talked to you, the court um, had issued an interim injunction, and they even at that point they didn't give you the full ability to speak and give a full defense and raise all of these issues. Um, now I understand that this second court case, for people who don't know, actually issued a permanent injunction, and this time you still didn't have the ability to present a fulsome defense or raise any of the issues around the land. Is that true? Uh, yeah, absolutely it's true. And I mean, uh, uh, at the end of that, his, his ruling was to uh, disqualify me from the proceedings as well as uh, uh, to make a, a finding, a ruling to... Uh, to grant the permanent injunction to the developer who was the one uh, applying for this. And uh, yeah, so that was, this is where we're at today is trying to, uh, we're going to be appealing that of course, and uh, and hopefully have more luck with the, with the higher court. Uh, not that the uh, folks here are very uh, optimistic about that. I think our, our track record uh, kind of going through the court processes has been, uh, uh, we've got a very, a poor record uh, when uh, bringing our case before the courts. Well, especially the fact that you haven't 
been afforded a fair opportunity to defend yourself or raise any of those issues. And it really begs the question about, you know, how can Indigenous peoples access justice? I mean, it was bad enough that there isn't funding there for you to have a lawyer to be represented, but then to not even be able to represent yourself seems the the height of racism in Canada's justice system. And I think we tried to bring uh, all of that kind of stuff to to light, uh, arguing that whenever the liberties of indigenous people are brought to justice, certainly in the criminal context and very lightly in the uh, civil context that we, uh, that the principles uh, around GLADU be applied. And uh, we tried to argue that certainly that those prejudices are no more glaring. Because uh, uh, that's what GLADU speaks about is that uh, the bias and the prejudice and the over-incarceration of Indigenous people and the estrangement from the uh, from the system is what uh, Gladue talks about. And I think I think there is no more glaring example of that than when we talk about land rights and land claims issues in this country. Well, and of course, we all know from the Ipperwash inquiry that all of this racism uh, in the OPP, especially was something that was a key focus of the Ipperwash Inquiry. And for those people who don't remember what it is, that was when the OPP shot and killed unarmed, peaceful land defender Dudley George um, when people were peacefully occupying their lands that should have been given back to them a long time ago. And I think one of the most important findings from the Ipperwash Inquiry then was they dispelled the whole myth that there's only a few bad apples in the OPP and that, in fact, anti-native racism is widespread in the OPP, appear to be living up to their names because what you had was peaceful land occupation, feasts, music, concerts, lacrosse, a small, you know, smallish number of people. And then the OPP go in and they bring the violence and they bring the potential harm to people. And it seems like time and time and again, the OPP resort to violence and escalation instead of all the parties sitting down at the table and working it out. Absolutely. And I think this is uh, something that for certainly for uh, not just six nations, but across the country need to understand that uh, when we make a stand, regardless of whether that stand is for, uh, you know, hunting and fishing, whether that's for uh, our land rights or our uh, rights to clean drinking water, it doesn't matter. When we make that stand and we make that stand together and we're able to amplify each other's voices in the way that we are right now. And right now, this is across the country. We aren't uh, uh, going quietly through this alone as one community or another. We are banding together in ways that uh, uh, certainly the country and the provinces that we live in uh, uh, don't have any choice but to hear anymore. Because when when we stand on these whether it's on the roads or in the bush or uh, uh, we, we are able to amplify each other's voices to such a degree that there's no, there's, there's no ear that we can't reach. I'm really glad that you mentioned that because even when we're in our most vulnerable moments, the arrests and the violence coming from the OPP, people, you and the people in your camp are still on social media and reaching out and supporting us, the Mi'kmaq, in Mi'kma'ki, and you're supporting the Wet'suwet'en and the Shkwetmik, and and all of the, of us 
facing these issues. Usually they roll out, you know, one at a time, but right now it seems to be full force. But even in those moments of vulnerability, we're all supporting one another. And I think that's a real positive that you're raising that we should take from that. We should never be defeated by what a court says or what the cops do. We know what they're going to say and do, but it's how we respond and how we are move together to support one another. And, you know, that's why I'm glad you take so much time here because you're also supporting all of us with our own issues. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's exactly what we need to do is uh, every time and not just some of the time, but every time that there's any of these issues going on across the country. I know we did that here in six nations when, uh, uh, they were raiding in Wet'suwet'en and Tyndanaga. When uh, they were raiding there, we took the uh, Highway Six barricade and uh, and held that for several weeks. And uh, and so, like this is this is something when uh, these uh, police forces in in whatever uh, province or territory they're in uh, want to enforce this uh, uh, you know crime and punishment. Uh, approach to dealing with uh, land claims it's uh it's something for us as communities to be able to to make sure that uh, everybody understands that nobody's standing alone in this and that thus our 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 you know uh, ongohoe voices aren't gonna aren't gonna be quieted anymore simply by uh, pointing a gun in our direction or threatening us with uh, jails in this particular instance it's uh you know, heavy court costs and uh, uh, claims for damage, irreparable harm, as they call it. <laughs> yes, I saw something in the media saying um, land defender Skylar Williams may be on the hook for $20 million. And I was thinking, why don't you make it a trillion? Because you're not going to get $20 million from Skylar Williams. And even if that debt was owed in some bizarre twist of fate, Canada owes trillions just to the Haudenosaunee, so they can just take it off the tab, maybe. This was, this was my thought exactly, and I kind of <laughs> laughed at the number as well and said, well, you know, you can't get blood from a stone. And so, uh, you know what, where the liability lies, and we did this by uh, adding a party to the uh, civil proceeding against me is uh, saying that, uh, you know, the people that are liable for this are, are, is the Crown. And certainly the crown by right of uh, Ontario and uh, most certainly with the federal government uh, and saying that, you know what, not only are they the ones responsible for this, but you might actually get the money from them. And so, you know what, if there's anybody that needs to be sued in this, that's them. And so if they don't, if they are not um, uh, like enshrining a mechanism to see meaningful consultation and accommodation happen. If they're not um, uh, giving the opportunity for developers such as this that are concerned about uh, uh, land claims issues uh, arising over their developments, then um, for them as a uh, for them as the developer uh, can actually say like honestly that they're you know an innocent third party in all of this um and for the most part you know what i i, I do agree with that that they that yes they acted in bad faith and uh, of course they knew but at the same time the haldeman county is the one that gave them the permit and made the bylaw changes in order for them to to move that development forward and, and were assured 
why Haldeman County that this was not going to happen. And so if this is the case, then you know what, maybe they can get thrown into the mix as well. And so if uh, this is where the permitting process happens, you know what, those are the people that need to uh, pay the damages. Well, exactly. All of this could be avoided. Like all of this is so unnecessary because as we talked about before, every level of government knows this, the Six Nations owns the Haldeman track. Every level of government knows that there are multiple claims by Six Nations for multiple pieces. And this could easily have been avoided by just having a moratorium on land development or land disposition until all of those claims and issues are resolved in a good faith manner. But they choose to go ahead anyway, and then they're act surprised by the results. And I think this is something that, you know, we, we've been saying is uh, around that moratorium is both the band council and the Confederacy both have um, issued these moratoriums on massive developments up and down the track. And so, and that is uh, uh, most certainly those, uh, those moratoriums are, are even more strictly um, uh, said on the kind of the six miles around the reserve, mm -hmm. the existing reserve, not up and down the track, because you know what, up and down the track, uh, our community isn't looking to divide that much. We are looking to be able to, to uh, grow and thrive uh, close to our reserve. And so we're saying that anywhere that is very near to the reserve, that no development should be going on without, without, with, without our, at least our uh, adequate consultation with not just one part of our community, but the whole, the entirety of it. Yeah, and so Band Council is not the uh, be-all and end-all for governance for our community. And so for, for us to be able to say uh, there needs to be adequate consultation means that you have to come to our community and have, have those real uh, conversations with, with everybody and have everybody say as to whether or not we agree or disagree with it. Exactly, because the people ultimately are the government. Whoever the spokespeople are or whatever forms, you know, the <laughs> official governments take, like ultimately it's the people who are the ones that say yes or no. Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. And I think that's where, you know, a lot of people get kind of lost in all of this is that, you know, like, in, and I keep saying it, is that I'm not the leader here. <laughs> like we are, we are uh, like a, the only thing that I've ever gotten uh, asked to do in, a, in any of this was to be the spokesperson for it, to do media stuff and uh, to liaise with the, mm -hmm. with the police. Mm -hmm. And so that, that has been the, uh, the, the, the height of my obligation to, to any of this. And none of this was to be a leader of any kind. Yeah. Regardless of whether or not the court appoints you as the leader, or <laughs> not, they clearly don't know what, uh, how it works in Haudenosaunee territory. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, uh, kind of funny that you say that, that the, uh, our, uh, you know, the court appointing, uh, appointing the leader or, or whatever is, uh, this is just not how uh, Haudenosaunee people work. And uh, so, yeah, so we're, we are doing our best to make sure that we uh, strive along in whatever way we can. We saw your call on social media that went out last night when the OPP were in full-blown attack mode. Um, we saw pictures of the rubber bullets. Um, we heard accounts of um, people being chased, that they were mocking uh, the people on the ground. 
Um, you made a call out for help. And I'm hoping that in all the different ways that people can help, that people responded to that call. Uh, yeah, no, no, there was a, there was no rest made at, right, right at that moment. Uh, and so, yeah, lots and lots of people came and, uh, uh, in the midst of all of that, um, there was, uh, some damage to the, the roads, both on highway six, the, uh, the railways and Argyle street have all, uh, have trenches across them now. Um, the uh, Mackenzie Road, which is right directly in front of the site at uh, Landback Lane, also has a trench across in front of it. And so the, uh, uh, again, the spiking up of uh, our community by mm -hmm. you know, shooting and tasering and uh, arresting people is uh, something that is uh, these continued acts of aggression that uh, to spike up an already tense situation by, uh, you know, uh, sticking eight, eight cops right at the uh, doorstep of our uh, of Landback Lane and expecting nobody to take offense to that, you know, only a couple of months after uh, raiding the site and having these this same situation where rubber bullets were being fired, people were being tasered, and the young man's face was dragged along the pavement, causing, you know, permanent uh, scarring to his face and ear and neck. Uh, you know, like this is, this is what, our, this is what our people are dealing with right now. And I think, uh, for us as a community to make that call out for, you know, for, for aid is, uh, is something that's needed, and, you know, uh, certainly want to, you know, stress the fact that we're as, as peaceful as, uh, mm -hmm. as can be, but at the same time that, you know, that, um, uh, our people aren't going, going anywhere. Like we are, uh, we've been here for 97 days now and, um, regardless of, of, you know, what the, uh, the cops or the, certainly this Justice Harper and some district court judge in Cuga, Ontario can, uh, try and, uh, settle a land claim by, you know, issuing this permanent injunction. Like this is not something that, uh, you know, that our people will, uh, will abide. Well, it's irreparable damage. So if you leave the area and they develop the land, then, then it's off the table. You can't even like negotiate those lands anymore. I mean, actually getting to the land before it's developed is actually a more prudent or responsible way of doing it. Well, I think kind of the, uh, COVID at this moment, at, at that, uh, at that particular moment, uh, saw construction going on, but saw our community shut right down. Uh, we had uh, barricades up around our community uh, to uh, help stem the, the flow of, um, of uh, you know, those COVID uh, uh, interactions with, uh, with people. And so uh, we limited access to our community. And so uh, as soon as that uh, started to, started the wane and the barricades came down around our community, uh, it took another month for us to feel, you know, comfortable enough with the, uh, the state of, you know, the world and this pandemic that we're in. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, once that was able to happen, we, uh, we, uh, we moved into land back lane and it was, uh, uh, you know, not a, not something that we came to a decision about, uh, very easily. Hello. He's, he's just doing an interview. 
<laughs> do you have to talk to right. somebody? Yes, I do. Give me one second. Yeah. Clan, yeah. clan mother in our community. Okay. Uh, cops are lining up at the bus. Oh. Cops? Yep. Like lots or what? How many? Okay. She doesn't know. Okay, that way. Okay, uh, okay gotta man. Go. I gotta go. Yeah, that's okay. We're supporting you. I'll post links for everyone to support you. <laughs> keep giving me updates and stay safe, okay? Thank you. Okay, bye. bye. It was at this point that Skylar had to leave because of the arrival of the OPP. I really appreciate him taking the time to give us an update. And what I'll do, in addition to sharing this podcast, is also posted on YouTube for those who prefer video. Please share this podcast, video, and all of the included support links far and wide. With increasing OPP violence and the permanent injunction, the land defenders need as much support as possible. Thank you all for tuning in to the Warrior Life Podcast. Till next time, keep living a warrior life. Walalia. <laughs>